I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we are talking all things related to employee benefits. Here with me is HR shareholder, Steph Hand, and HR benefits and compliance specialist, Courtney Martin. Steph and Courtney... If you guys don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do and maybe your personal relationships with some of our benefits reps? I don't know. (laughs) It's up to you. All right. Well, I'm Steph. I've been at Lutz for the last 14 years, and I oversee the HR functions. Um, I work with an awesome HR team, including Courtney, and together we, I guess, oversee all of the people aspects from performance to training and development to recruiting, retention, employee matters, and, of course, employee benefits. I'm Courtney Martin. I've been with Let's almost three years in July. I've been in different aspects of human resources over the last 15 years. So I'm primarily in charge of benefit enrollment for all employees, making sure that runs smoothly, which sometimes it doesn't, but it's very fixable. Mm -hmm. And then another part of my job is compliance, just making sure that we're doing exactly what we need to do as far as reporting to the state of Nebraska and the federal government on demographics. So do you like benefits or do you like working with people and helping them understand benefits? That's an excellent question. I like more helping people problem solve benefit questions. Sure. So I don't see myself as necessarily a people person. I see myself as a problem solver. So I think it's important. Did you say you don't see yourself as a people person? I don't. That's I don't. It's wrong. I don't. (laughs) First off. (laughs) But I do like I do like the problem solving aspect of it. Not only to help employees, but it also educates me. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people call me the expert, but I actually rely a lot on our vendors for benefit questions that are just so one-off that um, they can help me on a day-to-day basis. And benefits can be so complicated, mm-hmm. you know, and I think oh, one yeah. thing that Courtney does that any, you know, any good employer has is someone who can really break down the building blocks of benefits for somebody because it is acronyms everywhere mm-hmm. and it can be really complicated and ever-changing you know, too, mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. quite frequently, so. Right, that's yeah. something that I'm sure causes people a lot of anxiety is, you know, when there's there's adjustments or changes to their benefits because you go through open enrollment, which I'm sure is another anxiety-inducing term for people, but, you know, that's done and you think you're good. And then all of a sudden health insurance changes. Or, or someone's going through a rough time right. and that's when they decide they're going to learn about benefits. And that can, be, that can be really challenging. So if you can learn about benefits at a time where life is in control, so to speak, sure. um, that can mm-hmm. be beneficial. And a lot of... Beneficial. <laughs> Do you get that plan? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and a lot of life changes. I mean, we have a lot of single employees that just have basic understanding, but now I'm getting married or right. now we're going to have children. Now I need to really have some skin in the game on understanding these benefits because it's just not me anymore. Right. Now I need to worry about my spouse and, and my children. Right. Awesome. Well, yeah, I guess let's just kind of talk about a scenario, which I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to us are going through right now, just getting out of college, um, you know, looking for a job, trying to understand where to go, what to do, and, you know, not understanding what benefits are at all. And this is a great, so I was talking to Ben Wormington in the hallway, who's in our Let's Talent division. He works with a lot of young folks that are entering the job force. And so I asked, you know, what's a common thing that you 
run into, so you guys might be able to use this as an example. If you take two jobs, all things equal, $50,000 jobs, how can you weigh the differences between the two benefits? I mean, because there's a serious financial you know, impact to those each of those opportunities benefits. So I think this is perfect for a scenario. You know, what, what are the different types of benefits offered out there by companies? So typically companies offer three basic benefits. You see this across the board, medical, dental, and vision. Um, but there's also other benefits, including health savings accounts, uh, flexible savings accounts, life insurance, disability insurance, um, retirement benefits. And it depends on the organization on what they have or offer as benefits because it's not across the board. Got it. Now, go ahead. I was just going to add, you know, vacation and paid time off. You mm -hmm. mentioned that parental leave is really, you know, something you're seeing a lot of and employee assistance programs. And as we've talked, you know, there's a lot that can fall under the benefits realm. Mm -hmm. You know, Courtney's talking about a lot of the traditional right. types of benefits, but as you know, you read all the time, you know, and look into the insides of different companies, there's a lot of different perks that would right. also be considered, you know, pieces of the employee benefits. Did right? you see, was it Finland or something just started offering the same amount of leave for fathers as mothers? Not to throw a political time bomb right here, but you know, that's, yeah, yeah I mean, so that's a, just kind of an example of something you don't think about. I mean, that's a huge, huge benefit, especially if someone's, yeah, like you said, making a life change, having kids or something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the little things like, you know, what do I want to wear to work? You know, what kind of flexibility do I have? Do I want to travel? You know, all of that. We don't always think of those things as typical benefits, but really they would be in that mix of things and employers are going to offer you know, every employer is going to be different in terms of the mix of those. So it can, right. be, it can get a little confusing if you're comparing job offers, for well, example. Well, yeah, so I guess that's a perfect segue into kind of my next topic. What do those benefits cost? Um, you know, how much is your company covering as far as the cost of those benefits? Great People question. Out? So typically, and again, it differs with uh, each organization, the company will pay a percentage of the benefit, and then the employee will pay a percentage. Um, you see predominantly 70-30 split. There are some companies that offer to pay 80% of the benefit and then the employee um, does the 20%. But there are some companies that while they may offer the benefits, they won't subsidize any of those um, premium costs. So it, it varies. And it shouldn't be an expectation when people are looking for jobs to say, well, I heard that you pay 80% and we pay 20%. It just varies from organization to organization. Interesting, so that's obviously one of the things that would go into account. If you're a young individual that's looking at two options, I've got yeah, two offers right. in front of me, mm -hmm. how do I make a determination between the two regarding those benefits? Because on the benefits, it's gonna say health insurance, dental, mm -hmm. paid time off, those kinds of things. But should you look at the specifics of that coverage? I mean, you should, but how do you? Yeah, one thing I've noticed in my experience recruiting college students is a lot of times they're really just paying a lot of attention to the punchline of their base compensation mm -hmm. when there is so much more mm -hmm. offered from a benefits perspective. And so, you know, just getting the old Excel sheet out, you know, and, and listing all the benefits they know are available from company one and right. company two and trying to put a dollar amount to those as much as possible. And, not only is that going to help you compare offers, but it's going to help you understand your, the benefit that's being offered to right. you, right? How much am I going to pay on a monthly basis for medical insurance, for dental insurance, for, you know, whatever? And then you really have to start prioritizing and thinking, what really matters to me at this point in my life? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. that could change over time you know as you were saying when you're you have a family or maybe you have health challenges but right, right. now what really matters right and, and you can start comparing no and comparing the quality of the plans mm -hmm. too I right. mean, you can have two different plans mm -hmm. and the premiums may be drastically different but if you look at this plan and you see how cheap the premiums are, it may not have the same quality of services as a more expensive plan. So again, it's based on your need, especially if you do have health issues. Why am I going for the cheaper plan because I'm paying less when actually this better serves my needs based on my situation? Sure, and I mean, I'm sure that varies based on provider to provider, right? I mean, at the end of the day, who's choosing that provider? I mean, how, how is that decision made? Is it, you know, purely a cost basis decision? So every year, your your leadership team, whether that's the, you know, the HR group or your CFO or, you know, different, different members will go through an annual renewal process mm -hmm. to determine what vendors to use, still use, or what vendors to, to transition to right. uh, for the good of the organization. Sure. So... If that answers your question, they're yeah. essentially choosing that politically stuff. Thank uh, very you. politically thank answers you. my question. <laughs> How'd we'll you make the decision the today? Um, but of course, you're the one that's going to be right. selecting. Then you know what benefits you'd like to elect. Right. Some organizations will offer multiple plan options. So right. let's take medical insurance for example. You might have a choice of two or three different options, and mm -hmm. some organizations will just have one option. You know, it can depend on the size of the company or, you know, just the decisions from the leadership team. So that's another thing that is something to know. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, I've heard, obviously, you hear people that are on their spouse's health insurance instead of, you know, where they work. Is that purely just because they think that the benefits could potentially be better with where their spouse works? I mean, do you ever see that that's with larger companies that people tend to do that? You know, if their spouse works for a larger company, or do, are they looking specifically at those benefits? It's not necessarily a larger company. It's more of the type of company they work for. Mm -hmm. So colleges and universities, um, hospitals, public school systems, their benefits are very hard to match because their premiums are so much cheaper, but it's not necessarily based on the size. The other thing that I've noticed too, Jack, is I have a lot of married couples that the spouse has benefits through LUTs, and then they have benefits through their other plan, mm -hmm. the wife or the husband, sure. but because that plan doesn't offer a, a health savings account, right. they stay with LUTs. Got it. So sure, their plan may be cheaper because it doesn't have an HSA, but because we have a high qualified deductible plan and we have an HSA, mm -hmm. they will either stay with LUTs or they'll stay separate. And what you say, there could even be a certain doctor that's covered under a Correct. plan, and they, right. they've always gone to that doctor, and you know, they have a specialty that right. they want to make sure to, to stick with. Yeah. So that could also influence yep, that's your decision. An excellent point. Are those all things that you can look up, though, when you're looking, you know, before you're employed at that place? I mean, you know, how am I going to know if the place that I have an offer from that doctor's in network is that by simply knowing that they're with you know this provider I can look up and see if they're in network or not well similar to being offered an offer letter right companies should be providing um, potential applicants with their benefit plan so if there was an insurance company that I wasn't sure they accepted my provider you can easily do some research and say oh does um, healthcare provider ABC will they accept the position in network mm -hmm. if I decide to go with this plan? I mean, a lot of that research can be done beforehand, right. 
information's out there everywhere. It's it's not a secret anymore. If and if it is, you probably should be a little bit cautious about right. that. Sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. And, yeah, yeah. And as, as I said before, any job seeker should take the step to talk to the Courtney at their organization. Again, if they're joining the right company, someone is going to sit down with them to, to walk through everything. That's pretty really unique, though. So. They say Courtney at another organization. I don't know if they'd be so lucky. To uh, Courtney. <laughs> yes. Well, someone who handles benefits. Right. You know, yeah. there probably is someone who is directly kind of overseeing that. Yeah. You Do bet. they have the Courtney touch? Maybe not. Not. You know, the Courtney touch, rare. which blows my mind that you, <laughs> you don't think you're a people person. My ego is going to be so big, I'm not going to be able to exit this room. No, it's not. You're still going to walk out of here and be like, I'm not a people person, yeah. and which is crazy. Right. But anyways, we don't need to harp on that. Um, obviously, do your due diligence. Don't just focus on the bottom line of your mm-hmm. base compensation mm-hmm. and, and talk to the individuals that are in that department at that place of employment. We talked about HSA, so I contribute to our HSA. I think HSA is awesome, obviously, which... From my you know little understanding, it's a pre-tax benefit, so there's a certain contribution from your, your salary, each paycheck or pay period that gets contributed to that HSA account tax-free as long as you're utilizing those. And you can use that as long as it's for health-related Correct. items, right? Now, so there's HSA. Being a health savings account. Health savings account. And then there's... listeners don't. Yes. Are familiar right. with terms. Absolutely. Uh, and then there's... Uh, what's the other... An FSA. Flexible savings account? Mm-hmm. Flexible spending. Flexible yep. spending account. account, right? What's the difference? Oh. You want to go ahead? No, I was okay. off of that soup. So, yeah, right. HSA, health savings account, versus a flexible spending account. So, if someone is enrolled in medical insurance and is participating in the HSA, they can also participate mm-hmm. in the flexible spending account for limited expenses on dental and vision. The other aspect about FSA is that you can also use that for dependent care to help pay for daycare services, after school care, etc. The major difference between an HSA and an FSA is it's a use it or lose it policy. So when someone is enrolling for benefits, they need to seriously focus on how much money they think they will spend each year. Which one is the use it or lose it? That's it's the, the FSA, FSA, right? Yep. Okay. So when I give orientations to people, we have most employees that use the FSA because they know it takes $300 a week to take Johnny to daycare. Okay. And you can do the math, $300 times 52, and you get a solid amount. We have very few that do limited unless you're on some type of monthly maintenance medicine for dental or vision expenses. Mm Um, the downside of the FSA, it is use it or lose it. So if you have not used that flexible spending account by the end of the year, then it goes back to the company. The other thing about an HSA, it goes year after year after year. Right. And if I contribute two grand this year and don't use any of it, you'll next have year two I have grand. two yep. grand yep. and it carries on. But okay. And it's portable. Right. So right. I can move it from one. If you ever. Left if left, someone would, were to leave do, somewhere, right. they can transfer their HSA. You. Right. right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Not going anywhere. And right. you know, Jack, you brought up something about three or four months ago about how an HSA should be looked at because high quality deductible plans have a high deductible before any medical expenses are paid. Right. 
you should be striving to put enough money in your HSA so that if you did have some kind of medical incident, you have enough in your HSA to meet that deductible so that any future expenses would be covered. Right. Now, for example, let's say, let's just do number, like, you know, just random numbers here. Let's say my deductible is $5,000. I'm going to try to get my HSA to $5,000 so that if I incur, you know, health expenses up to five grand, I have that money saved, and then everything beyond five grand is covered by health insurance because I've met my deductible. Correct. Now, there's a limit to the amount you can contribute to your HSA each year, right? That's correct. So the IRS say, sets those limits. Let's say my maximum contribution to my HSA is $4,000, and I contribute $4,000 in 2019. Can I contribute another four grand in 2020? Absolutely, okay. as long as it's not going above those IRS standards. So for a single individual, mm -hmm. it's 3450 So... LUTs does contribute money to someone's HSA, so right. the combination of the LUTs contribution and the employee contribution can't exceed that amount. For that you? year. For that year. But then isn't there an amount that you can have in your HSA as far as the total amount that you're allowed to keep nope. in there? Or is that is that as far as high as you want? Infinite. Got it. Okay. So as long as you don't contribute over the yearly amount that you're allowed mm -hmm. to contribute you're good for that year and then it's I think I personally think for a single person that you know is using an HSA and has a high deductible plan put enough money in there get your HSA to the point where it's at the deductible that you would potentially have to spend and then you're covered right I mean doesn't right. that seem to and do and do it right now when you're right you know when most young people right. not everybody mm -hmm. but you know that would be assuming that I have the money to do that <laughs> right stuff. And it, right. may need to, it, may take, it may take two or three years. Right. But then the other school of thought is based on family size and the need to use the HSA. I do have some employees that deplete their HSA each year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's well, just Well, you based never on know what you're going to deal with. Yeah, exactly. There, so going back to FSA, though. FSA, which is use it or lose it. So if you don't use all of your contributions at the end of the year, it's gone or it goes back to the company that is correct so what is the what is the benefit then of using an FSA are there different thresholds to what you can contribute yeah that's a great question um, the FSA is really more beneficial for people that have dependent care expenses because the uh, dependent care can go up to 5,000 for the limited um, FSA it's 2,500 so if you're able to contribute more to an HSA and use it for what you would have used the FSA for, there's not really a point in doing that. Right. And also, you can only have an HSA health savings account with a high deductible health plan. So there may be Got some it. people out there that have that is true. Okay. That have a traditional plan, and in that case, they would want to. So use that's a probably a big account. reason why people are using FSA because they have children, they have you know dependents that are potentially going to cause them to incur a lot of health expenses. So they want that lower deductible so they can meet that. Uh, well, I guess, let's see, that would that be? Having the low deductible would be causing them to have the flexible spending because they can't do the HSA with a, low de or a lower deductible plan. It's because that the company doesn't offer a Yeah, I screwed myself. You're making us think. I had myself yeah. down this spiral yeah. of... And, and, and uh, what am I doing talking about? Like, I, 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 I don't even use it. 
people would use an FSA if the health insurance or plan provided does not qualify right. it to be married to an HSA. Got it. Yeah. I wonder if we just blew everyone's ears out with our laugh. We said benefits is attack. complicated. Right. So that's just well, I'm just example. saying that was a bit it of a is. laugh attack. I, wonder, I hope it wasn't too loud. <laughs> people pulling their headphones out. That's assuming they're listening. That's a good point. Well, why wouldn't you listen? I agree. Benefits is an exciting world. I completely agree. Um, Okay, cool. HSA and FSA. I hope we beat that into the ground. Yes, we did. I think that's understood. It's awesome. Um, Can we talk about like 401k retirement type stuff? Because those are benefits, right? Sure. Big benefits. That's a really important benefit. That ranks up there. It does. For a lot of people, it's one of their top three benefits. We talked about it with Justin in our investing podcast, so we don't need to go into the specifics of equity versus you know safer investing options and things like that. So we won't go there, which uh, Courtney and Steph are right. both saying that's, that's right. awesome. That's fine. Let's leave it to the experts. <laughs> yeah. But I guess what would be important is to understand is the contribution that your company gives to your retirement. Yes, and that, right. again, varies across the board. Some companies have a waiting period that they have to be employed a certain time before they're eligible for the 401k. There's just different vesting schedules. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some companies that don't even offer a 401k. Really? So that's something to consider when someone's looking at a job offer. Can you go over some of the different things that you might see as far as retirement benefits? I mean, I know there's companies, they will provide, you know, up to 50% of your first 5% of your contribution or whatever. I mean, that, I could have just butchered the way that that sounds. That's, but that's okay. Then there's profit sharing and all kinds of right. stuff. I mean, are there some buzzwords to look for where if you see that, it's like, ooh, that's a good benefit. And if you see that, it's a bad benefit or... I, I think <clears throat> that's a great question. I think the vesting schedule is important. Um, I don't know if any people know what that means sure so, sure you know, that when an employer makes a contribution whether that's through a match a match contribution or a profit sharing a vesting schedule tells you how long it will take for you to be able to fully realize that yeah. that amount of money right so you might have a graded vesting schedule so for example if you were at the firm for two years you get 20 percent of that four right. years 40 percent etc etc or as courtney said it could be a hundred percent it could be a cliff vesting schedule where at three years, you get 100%. So that really varies, but mm-hmm. if you were to leave the organization, sure. you know that would indicate kind of what you're walking away with from an employer match perspective. Right. Let's say I start today and the vesting schedule is to be 100% vested. I need to work for five years. But at two years, I have $2,000 contributed between myself and the company at two grand at two years. Um, I would only realize, let's say it's 20% of that right if I were to leave yeah the good thing to always remember is whatever you personally contribute mm-hmm. that is yours right right always. so that gets confusing I think to, to some individuals is that the vesting schedule does not apply to anything that you're putting away for your own retirement sure if that 2000 also included some of your yeah your right money, let's say 1200 be, and 800 800 from the company then so it'd be 20% I would be 20% of, that 800. of the 800 yeah, that's right. if, if you were subject to a great that's, thank you vesting. for clarifying <laughs> that because that's kind of a confusing thing yeah. it, is. it is a question that a lot of people yeah. ask right you know and um, well, my example was doing a horrible job of trying well to no understand. and if we could put a plug in i think you know just getting into the habit of saving and putting money aside mm-hmm. you you just 
don't miss it mm -mm. if you have always done it. So we mm -hmm. do try to, it is everyone else, everyone's business to decide how much they want to right. set aside for retirement, but to get well, in a good practice of doing that is really important. And so. we started talking about that with Justin too. It's like every time, let's say, um, you know, every raise you get, increase your 401k contribution by 1% mm -hmm. or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I mean, not, and give you're yourself not gonna a miss it. You're not going to. If you are sustaining your current life, you know, with your current pay, and then you get a raise, you know, there's no reason you should you should just right. And we understand um, people coming out of college. They have student loans. Now yep. they're responsible for their own car payment. Yep. Now they have an apartment. They have mm -hmm. food to put on the table. We get that, but do <clears throat> something. If it yeah. is literally one percent, start at one percent. Mm -hmm. If it's two percent, just something. Right. Because pensions and benefits that an older generation saw 20 years ago they're not here anymore and that's what you need to be using your 401k for is to save for your right. retirement <clears throat> right out of school I worked for a uh, large railroad let's just say and uh, saw the offer I was like wow this is gonna be great I'm gonna be making so much money and then it was but you're going to live in Denver, A. Okay, that's expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and B, you put away a pretty hefty percentage towards railroad retirement mm -hmm. each pay period, mm -hmm. and you get paid once a month. And mm -hmm. so that was a very unique situation. And unfortunately, I did not stay the full vested time. Um, you know, so mm -hmm. that, I mean, those are very specific situations too. That's, that's a great point. I didn't, you know, we've heard before <clears throat> there with some other organizations, you might get offered a, a ton of PTO, but the culture is that you don't get, ever get to use it, right? right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think there there's a deeper layer to benefits, and sometimes that's hard to see as a job seeker, but just being careful about <clears throat> the benefits that lure you in. Sure. <laughs> you know, some of those glitzy and glamorous ones, especially, you mm -hmm. know, if you don't have the right culture to support the high trust, the communication, that kind of thing, it, it kind of Right. Yeah. If if you were to sense. tell me, oh, yeah, if okay. you were to tell me that I had two yeah. weeks of PTO and then I said, hey, I'm going on vacation for a week in three months, and you say, really? Don't aren't you yeah. busy that time? Yeah. I'd be like, what? Okay, yeah. wait a minute. That's mm -hmm. my time mm -hmm. that you told me that right. I could use how right. I want. Yeah. Back to the four hundred one k though. I know that in certain companies, you have to contribute up to a certain percentage in order to get the full contribution from your company. The thing to remember with the match is if you can make it happen, mm -hmm. at a minimum do mm -hmm. the match, right? right? Because otherwise you're kind of giving up free money, mm -hmm. really. Right. Um, you're kind of giving away stuff. So if you can swing that, right? Well, the, right? That's, that, that's one thing is that it's free money. Mm -hmm. You know, if they say we will give you 4% as long as you contribute 5 but you're only contributing 3% and you're getting 3 fifths of that 4%, I mean, that's, you know, that's a lot of... It has up over, yeah. over the years, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Cool. HSA, 401k, we're covering it all. What about life insurance and... and there's life insurance, there's disability insurance. Disability, the things that... There's things that are, <laughs> that are automatically given to you in benefits, right? Correct. So... Yeah, sure. depending on the organization. Right. So, and again, as I stated earlier, Jack, some companies will offer these benefits, mm -hmm. but 
Um, the company does not subsidize any of the premiums, so you'll see this predominantly with voluntary life insurance, where someone has the opportunity to elect more voluntary insurance than what the company provides, but that's paid 100% by the employee. Um, disability insurance, uh, short-term and long-term disability is provided by LUTs, but I do know an employee whose wife has to pay a premium for short-term disability and long-term disability. So, right. and this is a good benefit to have in if the the event of an accident or injury, mm -hmm. um, or in the case of let's say maternity leave, right? right? Because it's going to supplement your income while you are out or while you can't work at a certain percentage. So that that's a basic way to describe. Right. We also um, employees are offered the opportunity to purchase voluntary accident insurance and voluntary critical illness insurance, but again, that would be something that's solely paid by the employee. But the fact <coughs> that this company offers that, where right. some companies don't even offer it, even if they expect the employees to pay for that. So right. that's, again, a part of the bigger package of looking at different benefit plans with different offers. Sure. Um, what about if your employer doesn't offer benefits or you're self-employed? I mean, what do those situations look like? Do I have to go out and just On shop the marketplace, for health insurance? Yes. yes, absolutely. And you know, Steph and I talk about this a lot, is that people need to be educated, especially about benefits if you are self-employed. Mm -hmm. But yes, if a company did not offer benefits, then someone would need to go to the marketplace and get an independent um, coverage for whatever they need, medical, dental, or vision. Right. Um, I do know of some companies, too, that uh, similar to the 401k where there's a waiting period to participate, some companies say you'll be eligible for benefits in 90 days. Some people <coughs> look at that and say, you know what, I'll just chance it that I don't have something happen in 90 days. That's not a good idea. Right. So the marketplace is another resource in order to bridge that gap from having uh, insurance coverage to when the new company offers them coverage. Speaking of gaps, then, what about if I leave my job, which I've, I've been through this specifically. I mean, what if I quit tomorrow and you're looking for a job for the next six months? What benefits are you, do you still have from your old job? Mm -hmm. What do you do to make sure that you're covered during that right. time period? So we talked earlier <clears throat> how companies will subsidize a percentage of the premiums. If you were to leave today and you had particular benefits at your old job, you would actually be eligible for something called COBRA. And that's... Cobra. I almost called it Scorpion. I was sitting there like, <laughs> literally in my head, I was like, yeah, Scorpion coverage. That is yeah. awesome. Sorry, so Cobra. Oh my gosh, we could start benefit jokes. Yeah, we could. That would be the first one. I, those yeah. would be, we don't need benefit no. jokes. Okay. That's terrible. That's, that's yeah. awesome. And I wouldn't expect any less from you. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just right. I mean, that's just so jack. Yeah, I know. That, that's Scorpion. Oh my gosh. In my head, I was like, <laughs> yes, I was like I'm, in my head, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I, you know, I'm asking this question so that everyone else is educated, but I know what Scorpion policy is. How relieved that you didn't <laughs> say that before she said it, right? Yeah, that 100%. Was funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it was funny. No, that was really funny. Cobra. Cobra. So Cobra is that bridge from your last employer to your new employer. Right. The difference is that with Cobra, you're paying for those premiums 100% out of your pocket. The, em Got it. the employer is not paying for any of that. It's expensive. 
It is expensive. Just not as expensive as if you had to go out and just buy <laughs> coverage. Um, not necessarily. It, it just depends on really? what coverages you need. And you'd also be eligible for up to 18 months. So, okay. I mean, that's really important. Yes, it's expensive, but having medical insurance is also very important. So you're saying it could be cheaper than for me to not accept the COBRA policy and go out and buy a policy out? It, it depends on the quality of the plan. <clears throat> it depends on what you're needing it for. Um, again, if you lost your job and you weren't eligible for <coughs> benefits, maybe you go on your wife's plan temporarily. Right. I mean, there's just uh, there's a number see, of situations. I was fortunate enough to where I was. So right when I graduated, I said, you know, I'm just going to move on to my company's health insurance just so I can start budgeting for it and, mm-hmm. and get off my parents' health insurance, which, you know, looking back on was stupid. <laughs> yeah, everyone I talked to, them, like, why did Stay you that do that? Yeah. But that, that benefit was, though, when I did leave my old job, is I was able to jump onto my parents' health yes. insurance mm-hmm. in the meantime because it was a life-changing event. And uh, then I was covered. It is life-changing, but it's it would be called a qualified life event. Qualified life event. We'll call it that. A scorpion. A scorpion. <laughs> scorpion. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> hey, that's why it's not I, my job to understand the benefits. We that about you. Um, so it Do was you remember a that white snake video? White snake. <laughs> wait, wait, white, white snake. snake? Yeah. Yeah, white exactly. Snake. I'm kidding. I know white snake. Oh, thank goodness. I just wanted to make you feel like <laughs> okay. I didn't know yeah, white snake. Thank you. So anyways, um, qualified life event. Qualified life event. Qualified yes. life event. Yeah, so I was able to be covered under their health insurance mm-hmm. while I, in the you know, in the interim between those. So that's That's a good thing to talk about is a qualified <clears throat> life event because you can't just once you've enrolled with benefits you know, you just can't decide all of a sudden you're gonna make changes to them right, sure. without having a qualified life event. So right. that could be, you get married, you get, you get divorced, divorced, you have a child, your spouse loses a job or gains, you know, loses a benefit yep. piece. Sure. So there's a lot of things that qualify for that. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that is through open enrollment, that annual opportunity to right. So I think benefits. personally, obviously, most importantly, communicate with your human resources. Mm-hmm look over your offer letter, understand their benefits, but then also have someone as amazing as Courtney. Exactly. But I also ask people to do some research on their own because right. that information is out there. Right. You don't have to know or get into the trenches about what necessarily is a high deductible plan, but at least be able to say, I know what a high deductible plan means. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at like knowing certain terms, there's yes. probably 10 terms out there that yes. really matter, right? Premiums, deductibles, um, a co-insurance, you know, there are things if you can really gain a better understanding of what those mean, then you're going to have a better job mm-hmm. or a better time comparing the different plans that you Absolutely. Think. We are so lucky, you know, I think yes. with just having Google at our fingertips, right? Mm-hmm. Or just the internet, because I remember when I was when I got my first job right out of college, I typed in, you know, single 22, uh, best option for, you know, HSA I know or FSA going. or whatever. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that was setting up my Tinder profile. I, 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 no, I'm saying you can I look was up. patiently waiting for this to come full circle back to I'm you. I'm saying. I appreciate it. Listen, so fun. Listen. 
look up your current your your situation or your profile and then what's the best option right literally it's that easy it is you know? it is so um <laughs> and get different perspectives yeah. too because sometimes our parents know a lot about benefits mm -hmm. and sometimes you know they could not as well right Absolutely. Right. so right. get their perspective but also get you know a mentor's right. perspective or the hr person's perspective and then you can kind of marry all those together you bet yeah or even after you're employed, let's say that you're still on your parents' plan mm -hmm. and you turn 26, maybe two years after <clears throat> you're hired at a company, talk to your coworkers. Because right. especially here in this company, there are a lot of people that are similar in age that have gone through that experience of, I turned 26, now I'm re responsible for my own insurance. Strike up a conversation and say, what was that like? Number one is going to be adulthood is not very fun, mm -hmm. but number two will be, yeah, this is what I did. And, you know, there's plenty of people that will want to talk about their experience doing that. So, cool. Well, I mean, do you guys think there's any, any other specific large topics you'd like to cover, address? We've talked about a lot. I don't think so. I think my, I would just end and whatever you have as well, Courtney, but you just really have to. Take some time to reflect on what your priorities are, mm -hmm. what really matters to you. And again, it's going to change as you go through life, but kind of stopping to pause, you know, to really consider, especially as you're looking at job offers, that can be overwhelming. It can be confusing. Sure. Um, but really think about what matters and um, go from there. You mentioned earlier about survey they did regarding oh. perks. Would yeah. you bring that up? That was... Yeah. So... 20 years ago, um, the Society for Human Resource Management 20 was... 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I'm not going to tell you what I was doing. What were you doing? I was five years old, no, so gosh. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the Society for Human Resource surveyed HR professionals on, on benefit <clears throat> offerings, and when they did that, there were maybe 60 or so that they could talk about. And today, it is you know well over 350, and I think that was probably a study that was maybe a handful of years ago. So... The number of benefits and the creativity that employers are using, depending on you know, kind of responding to the needs of job seekers and employees, is incredible. So it can be tough to navigate mm -hmm. so many different types of benefits. Absolutely. It's awesome too because there's a lot of things that are being offered. But right. we thought that was pretty. It is pretty and, crazy. And we're not talking just medical benefits. We're talking yeah. perks. We're talking memberships. Bring your dog to work. We're talking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bring Dan your dog to work. Seriously. Seriously. Concierge yeah. services, massage on site. Sir. I mean, I could there's so many things that are being offered right now, especially from a perk right. standpoint. But again, you kind of got to look <clears throat> deeper than sure. you know, some of the shiny and, things, too. So. Yeah, and sometimes it should cause some alarm if you see a lot of shiny things mm -hmm. and you're wondering, why so many shiny things? What's your culture like? Also, yep, I are think, the basics there. Yeah. personally... If you look at the amount of employees at a company and then they have some of those shiny things, it's like, well, okay, yeah, because their benefits would cost a lot to get you the right ones, so they offer you a full-service bar and, you know, happy hour on Thursday. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's not where you're going with that, but, right. you know, you understand. Yep. Cool. We got you. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I don't know yeah. what I would do without Excellent you. Um, <laughs> you've been huge through my pro the process of understanding the benefits offered here. So, And thanks for talking today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for making benefits fun. Yeah, yeah you bet.
You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.